It's time now for Spears on Sports with John Spears, presented by M&M Carnage. And now, here's Johnny. I made it to Thursday. Welcome in. Spears on Sports, presented by M&M Carnage. John Spears in studio. I'm not going to lie to you. I don't want to be here. No offense, Douglas. I just don't want to be here. You know those last few days before you're going on vacation, taking the wife, going with a bunch of friends down to Sandestin, Miramar Beach? Those last few days are just, hey, you're just counting the minutes. And it, it, the clock goes a lot slower when you're counting the minutes. I love this show. I love doing this show. And I love you too, Douglas. There, just, I've, I've said it. But the fact remains, I'm mailing it in here. Today, tomorrow, tomorrow especially. I mean, I might bring my lunch in here and eat on the air tomorrow. I don't know. I don't know what we're going to talk about tomorrow. We might talk movies. We might talk TV shows. We might talk, um, am, I, am I washing my car tomorrow? Maybe. <sighs> Welcome to the show. Eminem Cartage Hotline is open, 502-384-1450. 384-1450 to join in on the conversation. The Thornton's text line is open as well at 502-414-1450. Don't forget, Thornton's, it's the perfect stop for all the best pick-me-up items you need to get your day started like fresh coffee, delicious donuts. Visit our friends at Thornton's and download the Thornton's Refreshing Rewards app and also hit me up on the Thornton's text line, 502-414-1450. So, uh, you know, early warning, early warning. I want you to call. I want you to text. I'm just, I'm not here today mentally. I'm not. Rick Bozich will help that cause. It will join me in about 15 minutes. WDRB.com, Fox 41. We'll talk uh, NIL versus NCAA. We'll talk about uh, some derby stories. Does Rick have any good derby stories from this past weekend? Um, the new hire at Louisville, Josh Jamison, the third assistant coach hired by Kenny Payne, is it a risky move? I'll ask Rick about that. The ACC is experimenting, or at least talking about experimenting, with a new football system that dissolves the Atlantic Division and the Coastal Division, gets rid of divisional play. Good, bad, irrelevant. I'll ask Rick about that. And the Jeff Brom comments yesterday that are drawing some raised eyebrows. Jeff Brom spoke yesterday at the Flagey Alumni uh, event, a Flagey Alumni event. If you don't know what Flagey is, it's an old high school in Louisville, down in the West End of Louisville, that dissolved, I don't know when, early 70s, late 60s. Paul Horning was an alumnus. Oscar Brom, Jeff's father, former Louisville quarterback, also an alumnus. He's the head of the Alumni Association. And they had an event yesterday at a VFW post or an AMVETS post, and uh, Jeff Brom came in and spoke. And he was asked some questions after he spoke. And inevitably, when the floor is open for questions in this town to Jeff Brom, the question always comes up. How close were you to taking the Louisville job when it was offered and ended up going to Scott Satterfield when you turned it down? And... The comments are usually from Jeff Brom. Well, it wasn't that close. I listened to the offer. I thought it was in my best interest to listen. I felt confident that uh, we were going to have success at Purdue. Uh, I didn't want to leave Purdue too quickly. I'd just been there a couple of years, and 
Um, you know, I was trying to build something there. All the right things a coach says in his coach speak. But then yesterday, Jeff Brom said something very interesting, and I'm sure Louisville fans' ears perked up. They got excited because the quote from Jeff Brom yesterday was, I love this town, this area. I'm an alumnus of Louisville, so anything can happen in the future. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Um, that is kind of eye-opening, right? It's kind of eye-opening. Purdue had a great year last year. They had a great year. But they suffered through a couple of tough years to get there. Had a great year four years ago. Suffered through a couple of, of uh, tough seasons. And then had a good year last year. There are, there are signature moments at Purdue since Jeff's been there, including the win over Ohio State and Urban Meyer, uh, including last year's overtime win in a bowl game against Tennessee, win over Iowa and Mich- wins over Iowa and Michigan State last year. There have been some great moments for Jeff Brom at Purdue. And now he's been there six years. It's not a case of... I'm not going to leave because I'm trying to build something here and I I feel it would be disrespectful to leave this soon. He's done what he needed to do at Purdue, right? Getting them to bowl games, getting them a bowl victory, signature wins. Program's in a good place, in the best place it's been since the Joe Tiller era. Since Drew Brees was coming down that that, uh, Boilermaker pipeline. So I'll ask Rick about those comments. What do they mean? Do, is there anything we should read into that? Is Jeff Brom actually campaigning to get back to his hometown by saying in the media, I love this town, I love this area, I'm an alumnus, anything can happen in the future. He didn't say, I'm the head coach of Purdue, let's leave it at that, Louisville's a great place, I love playing here, I love being an assistant coach here, but I'm a, I'm a Purdue Boilermaker now. That's all he had to say. And you can say, well, you know, these comments aren't supposed to get out because it's a, it's a Flage alumni event, he's doing it for his dad, he's speaking because his dad asked him to speak there. This is not a media event. The media was there. Rick Bosich was there. The cameras were there. I saw the I saw these comments on Fox Forty One last night. And Jeff Brom's not he's savvy. He knows the media's there. He's aware that there are cameras in that VFW post or that Amvets post, whatever it was. He is calculated and always has been in what he says. It's an interesting comment. Does it mean anything? I don't know. That's why I'm having Rick on. I'll ask him. All right. Uh, NFL schedule night is tonight. It comes out allegedly at 8 o'clock tonight. You can watch it on NFL Network. I'm sure ESPN will have a, a channel dedicated to it as well. But we already know who is playing whom. We've known since January. If you're a Bengals fan, since January, you've known all 17 opponents. Two with Cleveland, two with Pittsburgh, two with Baltimore, and the other 11 teams you're going to play this year and where you're going to play them. So why is this a big deal? It's because the NFL is always in the news. 
the NFL is a 365 days a year newsworthy organization. It doesn't matter that it's May 12th. Did I mention that? Thursday, May 12th? Did I mention two days till my vacation? Okay, it's Thursday, May 12th, and the NFL is in the news. Today is schedule release day, which means not only do we have the opponents, which we already knew, now we're going to know which week you play which opponents, what time you play each opponent, what network you play each opponent on. I don't know why it's a big deal, but apparently it is. We've had leaks. Apparently, the entire Green Bay Packers schedule is, has been leaked. Sports Illustrated reporting that, oh, no, the Packers schedule has been released. By the way, Green Bay will host Dallas this year. Mike, um, Mike McCarthy, former Packers Super Bowl-winning coach, heading back to Green Bay with his Dallas Cowboys. But apparently, the entire Packers schedule has been released. Now, the NFL does – a few things during this process. Last week, they released all the international games. They decided to release the international games. That was May 4th. So eight days ago, they released uh, that in, in Mexico, the 49ers will play the Cardinals on Monday night football in week 11. In Germany, first NFL game ever in Germany, the Seahawks and Tom Brady and the Buccaneers in week 10, there must be a big soccer game that night, that week in Germany. That's the only way you get Tom Brady to go there and, and play a football game, an American football game. Seahawks-Buccaneers week 10 in Germany. And three games in London, Vikings versus Saints week 4, Giants versus Packers week 5, and Broncos-Jaguars week 8. By the way, that last one, Denver and Jacksonville, is an ESPN Plus exclusive, which means if you don't have ESPN Plus in one of your many streaming services, you won't be able to watch Denver and Jacksonville in Week 8. All three of those games in Wembley Stadium. So this is at least an eight-day process. Let's, let's release our international games. Now we're going to give you a couple of games uh, – and let you know when they're going to be. Here's here's the Christmas Day game. I didn't write it down, but we already know what one of the Christmas Day games is going to be. Uh, this morning, we find out week four, probably Sunday night football, Kansas City at Tampa Bay. Patrick Mahomes and Tom Brady, the Chiefs and the Buccaneers, a rematch of uh, the Super Bowl from two years ago at Tampa. They release that. They let that out. It's uh, They just let it simmer a little bit. Here, Here's your appetizer. That's what this is. Here's your appetizer. You'll get the main event. You'll get the entree tonight, 8 o'clock, NFL Network. But here's what we're sending to you. We're sending this over to the table to get your taste buds going. All right? Here's your, here's your spinach artichoke dip. You get your, you get your ribeye. And your, and your loaded potato later, but here's your spinach artichoke dip or your jalapeno poppers. We got to get, I'm getting hungry. We got to get your, uh, your, your mouth watering. So here you go with this. And that's how they do it. And they've done it. They do it well. The NFL is always in the news. Combine, you're going to have OTAs coming up. Oh, who showed up at these voluntary OTAs? Who didn't show up? Who's holding out in their contract? This is the NFL. 
This is the NFL. It doesn't matter if it's March during March Madness. It doesn't matter if it's June during the NBA playoffs. The NFL is always in the news. So the schedule release tonight officially, you'll hear probably two or three more games leaked out today before we get to 8 o'clock at night. And again, keep in mind, we already know who our favorite team is playing. If we want to know all 17 games, we there's a, an avenue to find that out. You can Google it. I think if you Google Bengals schedule right now, you'll be able to see all 17 teams that the Bengals play. So I don't understand why this is a huge deal. Are you planning your vacation? Now, for a season ticket holder, okay, I get it. You want to know the dates. You want to know what weeks you have to block off so you can get up to Paul Brown Stadium or get down and watch the Titans play if you're a season ticket holder. I get it. But other than that, I don't understand why this is a big deal. Dallas is playing Green Bay. Tennessee, by the way, is going to play one of those Monday night games that they announced yesterday, week two. I think they announced this two days ago. And let me uh, go back in my notes here and see if I can find it. Because what they released is it's going to be a doubleheader But it's going to be a staggered doubleheader. Week two, NFL, Monday Night Football. You're going to have an ESPN game, Tennessee at Buffalo at 7-15. And then a ABC game at 8-30, Minnesota Vikings at Philadelphia. Now, this is a bizarre way to do it. Now, what they've done in the past, you had a 7 o'clock game, and then you had a 10-15 West Coast game, maybe Broncos Raiders. Let's just say for argument's sake. Well, what the NFL found out is those 10, 15 Monday night football games, your ratings drop dramatically. Nobody in the East Coast, or at least very few people on the East Coast, or the Midwest for that matter, are going to stay up to watch a late night Monday night football game in week two of the regular season, or even week one of the regular season. Nobody's staying up to watch Broncos Raiders at 10, 15 when they got to be at work at 8 o'clock in the morning. Maybe they watch a quarter. Maybe they watch a half. They're not, they're not hanging in until 1 a.m. They're just not. So the NFL decided, let's stagger them. Let's see what happens here. Week two, Tennessee at Buffalo. Then right about halftime, maybe just a little bit before halftime, Minnesota and Philadelphia will start on ABC. I love it. It's an experiment. The NFL still experimenting. And like I said, the NFL is always in the news. In fact, New England traded quarterback Jarrett Stidham today or last night, late last night, to the uh, Las Vegas Raiders, where he will be reunited with his New England offense coordinator, Josh McDaniel, the new head coach of the Raiders. I'm sure Bill Belichick here just doing, doing a little favor for his buddy Josh McDaniel. Bill Belichick's got Mac Jones. He doesn't need Jarrett Stidham anymore. Josh McDaniel has Derek Carr. He is getting himself a insurance policy with Jared Stidham. So the NFL, always in the news. I right, we'll talk some NBA. We had a great game last night, and we had one of the worst games you'll ever see in NBA playoff history. But Rick Bozich, after the break, you're listening to Spears on Sports, presented by Eminem Cartage on the Big X.
Welcome back to Spears on Sports, presented by M&M Cartage. John Spears in studio. Thornton's text line is open. Send your text to 502-414-1450. Download Thornton's Refreshing Rewards app today for great offers and savings on fuel every day. That's the Thornton's Refreshing Rewards app. I filled up my gas tank today. Believe me, we need savings on fuel every day. And hit me up on the Thornton's text line, 414-1450. Batch baseball uh, lost to Toledo 10-6 last night. They'll continue that series third of a six-game set tonight, 635 first pitch, 605 pregame right here on the Big X. Let's go to the M&M Cartage Hotline, bring in Rick Bosich, WDRB.com, Fox 41. How are you today, Rick? I'm good, Judd. How are you? Uh, you don't want to know. I'm two days till vacation, so I'm mailing it in. Oh, well, oh don't do that. Do you, ever, do you ever mail it in on the last day before vacation? Yeah, I know the feeling. It's it's always a tough column to run because you know once you get done writing it, then you can let you know relax, let the uh, let the juices. What's what's my move well. here? What what's the how do I fight this tomorrow? Because to, today's show's bad enough. I mean, you made it a great show. You're going to make it a great show. You can have me back on tomorrow. But if you what want do to. I do tomorrow? Oh man, I don't even <laughs> want to have anybody on. I don't want to be here. All right, uh, enough about me. Uh, enough about right. me. Favorite okay. Derby story of this weekend was what? Wow. Um, my favorite Derby story this weekend, other than the obvious one, uh, you know, I was in the paddock. Uh, that has to be my favorite Derby story. I, I haven't had a paddock pass for the last few years because they, you know, one year was nobody in the paddock because of COVID and yeah. they've cut back on them and different things. Uh, this year, I surprisingly got one like an hour before the race started so i decided to go watch it there and baffert used to always watch it right and some other trainers watch it there so i watch it on the screen i noticed pletcher was there watching it and i noticed that uh yakteen tim yakteen who trains baffert horses were there so i stood there with uh tim sullivan uh of the courier journal and uh another guy um Mac Williams from uh, Del Mar, and we watched the race. And I was hoping to get video of either Pletcher or Yakteen if one of their horses did well. And then I, I saw what was happening, and I was like, I, is that 21? <laughs> and then all of a sudden, I heard all these people screaming, going crazy, and I looked over to my right, and there were the you know Rich Strike people. And I didn't know. The one trainer, Eric Reed, was on the ground. He really did fall on the ground. And these other people were going crazy. And I thought, that, that, it took a while for me to register. I couldn't believe that horse won the race. And then I ran over there and took a couple pictures as they were heading to the track. So it was just being totally stunned at seeing that horse sneak by because it looked like it was going to be this fantastic stretch drive between uh, Zandon and Epicenter. And then this horse nobody could have predicted wins the race uh, with Eric Reed and his bright red uh, theater usher sport coat. <laughs> Did it remind you at all of Mind That Bird? A little bit, but even more stunning because um, Mind That Bird took the lead before this horse, yeah. uh, I'm pretty sure. I mean, this horse, and you can tell by the race call, didn't even get a call to like the, like the last two seconds of the race. It was inside the 16th pole. Usually the derby winner takes the lead a little bit before the 16th pole and sometimes well before the 16th pole. And I just wonder if the two jockeys – in the middle of the track, we're looking at each other and never saw him coming. Yeah, I think Epicenter and uh, and and Zandon were. It, it certainly appeared like here you go. Who's gonna who's gonna win this out at the end? 
Uh, if I'd have asked you if you knew who Sonny Leone or Eric Reed were at about 4 o'clock Saturday afternoon, would you have been able to tell me? I, I would not have been able to tell right. you Sonny Leone. I would have been able to tell you Eric Reed, but the only reason is that on Saturday morning, Tom Lane and Eric Cropper and I uh, spent three hours at the barns getting TV interviews for WDRB News in the morning, and we had seven and we had gone by Eric Reed's barn, and he wasn't there because he was eating breakfast. And we were just getting ready to go home, and we said, do we need to get one more? Yeah, let's get one more. So we went to barn 17, and the last person we talked to was Eric Reed. And he was they, he came out from the barn. He was very nice. He did an interview with Eric. Uh, and, you know, I heard some of the story about you know, the tragedy that happened at his barn. And yeah. then when he won, I was like, that's that dude we talked to. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, should we be making more of this Sonny Leone uh, suspension right now? I mean, I, I saw a report, uh, dangerous riding is why he's suspended, and it's not the first time he's been suspended. He's been suspended quite a few times in the last 15 months. Um, is this newsworthy? Um, yeah, I guess it is. I mean, because it's multiple suspensions and it's going, and it's going on right now, that's not a usual um, – path we see for derby winning jockeys to be you know come out of the derby and then be in a suspension this guy's such an unknown a blank slate for all of us the people are just getting to know him so uh he's obviously going to be under a much better brighter spotlight than he's used to uh, as he heads into pimlico and hopefully he's smart enough to realize that and doesn't try and you know do anything crazy there there's no spotlight when you're riding at belterra you know i don't even know where belterra is that I still That's don't. Not the old thistle down, is it? I still don't know. Yeah, it's in the Cincinnati, it's in the Cincinnati area, right? Uh you got me. Is it? That's not Turfway. Old it? River Downs. It might be the old River. Old Downs. River Downs, maybe so. Yeah, maybe Belterra just bought it and Thistledown renamed it Belterra. This one by Columbus. This is the one by uh, Cincinnati, I believe. So I, you know, I, I don't know. There's when that's just another part of the equation of I defy anybody to tell me why they bet on that horse other than he was the longest shot in the race and they just took a chance yeah. on a long shot or they liked the number or something. There's no way you could pick that horse to win the race. I, absolutely. It never 0 for 5, so um, I, I guess it happens. Did you have any celebrity brush, brush with celebrity stardom other than a horse racing figure this weekend? Uh, I was there like five five feet away from Jack Harlow when he met, made his entrance into the paddock. Not bad. Uh, that's probably my biggest one. I didn't really see any other uh, celebrities this year. Uh, they kind of keep us away from them. used to be where you could go a lot more places. Now it's it's a lot more security out of Churchill Downs. And, you know, I think they even limit on the red carpet. Every media outlet only gets one person to go there. I think they try and offer the celebrities a media-free uh, or media-limited experience. Talking to uh, Rick Bozich, WDRB.com. You can read his stuff uh, almost on a daily basis. Uh, I did watch the sports page last night with you and Eric, NIL versus NCAA. Um, NCAA is just late to this party. The toothpaste is out of the tube, and as you know, if you've ever stepped on a tube of toothpaste, Rick, you can't get it back in. Yeah, and the point I tried to make is that they haven't even been able to enforce the rules that they've had. I mean, they don't have the manpower. 
they don't have the mandate from the opposing schools, for them to pretend they're going to be able to, you know, regulate or enforce NIL stuff is preposterous. And, you know, as you, once you, once players are used to getting what they're getting, they're not going to say, Oh yeah, you're right. We, you need to regulate that and, and cut back on how much we're getting. That's, it's not going to happen. So it's going to keep moving down the road. And I've seen, you know, I saw what the uh, commissioner of the ACC, Jim Phillips said at the end of the spring meetings down in Amelia Island, that, it, it, it's probably time for football to move outside of the NCAA domain among the schools that are playing at a, at a high level. And I, he's not the first one to say that. Uh, John Calipari's said that in the past, and I think that's the direction we're going, where the top, the schools that really want to be uh, players in football are going to have their own way of doing things. And yeah. Uh, limiting NIL isn't going to be part of that. Is it going to be a separate league? Because I know Jack Swarbick, uh, Notre Dame's athletic director, said a couple of weeks ago, look, five, ten years down the line, we're just going to have a Super League. Is it going to be 30, 40 teams, and then everybody else that's not in our Super League just enjoy playing college football? Probably. Uh, What was interesting about the way he said it, though, is he said there was going to be one league. He made it sound like there's going to be one group of teams where the schools were going to have um, a more focused or, or, or serious uh, attention to academics. And he put Notre Dame and Vanderbilt and Duke and Virginia, I think, and Ivy League school, Stanford in that mix. And then he kind of made it sound like other schools that didn't want to do that were, it, it was going to be, a, they'd be affiliated with universities. But it, I almost got the impression, like, if guys went to class, that's fine. But if they didn't want to, it didn't really matter. <laughs> So you're telling me one league is going to have Notre Dame, Vanderbilt, Duke. The other league is going to have Alabama, Clemson, uh, Texas. And maybe at the end of the year, the two teams will play in sort of a Super Bowl. So every year it be Notre Dame and against somebody <laughs> out of the big conference. That's a good move by Jack, I think. Yeah, I didn't. Uh, Jack Swarbrick didn't connect all the dots that way. So that was <laughs> a little bit of a hole in his theory. But um, – he was definitely trying to – he's always selling, you know, and he's trying to position Notre Dame as a place that you can play high-level football and get a high-level yeah. education, unlike a lot of other schools. Uh, and that's why coaches leave Notre Dame now because – uh, Could be. They've yeah. loosened the, the reins a little bit, but just not enough for some of these coaches. Um, yeah, yeah, the thing that's interesting, yeah. though, is I think if you believe that, doesn't Marcus Freeman have, like, one of the top recruiting classes – uh, commitment-wise, early for 2023. Yeah, I can't, I can't figure it out. I can't figure it out. Look, I know they're late to the party. Is there any logic to the NCAA trying to enforce a salary cap on NIL? <laughs> um, now the market's going to determine that. I, I mean, they don't want to use that word, of course, but can they, I, can they do anything like that? I don't think so. I don't, I don't think so. Um, yeah, like I said, they can't enforce the rules they have now. And even if – how are they going to be able to, you know, get accurate reporting on that or adherence to it? I mean, it would yeah. be somewhat of an honor system, and it's just not going to happen. There's going to be – always going to be schools that are going to get tired of losing. And when you're tired of losing, you're going to spend so you don't lose anymore. Talking to Rick Bozich, Fox 41, WDRB.com. Speaking of ACC football – I see where they're considering, at least, going to a non, um, no divisions, three five five format where each team would have three opponents every year, same three opponents every year, and then alternate the other five uh, year to year. Do you like it? 
It's good for um, Louisville, I no, think. I, I, yeah, I like it. I mean, it's been weird since Louisville's been in the ACC that there really hasn't been there been a lot of programs that haven't played much. I mean, they haven't yet, yet to go to Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech's only come here. I, I think they've been to Miami once, and Miami's been here maybe twice. I mean, I'd like to see more of Miami, but I, I, I like it depending on which three teams yeah. <laughs> gets. I mean, yeah, you don't want to see them get stuck with Boston College, Wake Forest, and you know Georgia Tech. But you, they don't want to get one. they don't want to get stuck with Clemson either, right? No, they don't. I, I don't think I, I I think the their most logical pairing would would be with Florida State. Because their relationship with them goes back to the uh, the Metro Conference, yeah. and you know they, they've split eight games with them since they've gone in the league, and they recruit in Florida and, and all those kinds of things. That would be one of them. I think another one would probably be maybe Pitt or Georgia Tech, because those are the closest drives. Virginia, you know, maybe. Than, yeah, I mean they've played Virginia now for eight years, and I really it really hasn't felt like much of a rivalry to me in basketball. Yeah. An edge to it because Virginia's been so dominant, but in football, I've never really gotten the sense that Virginia was much of a rival. I think Pitt or Georgia Tech would be would be better, and I think Georgia Tech also brings in exposure in Atlanta where you want to recruit. And then the third one, I don't know, but I I just would hate to see him get like Boston College, Syracuse, Syracuse, and, yeah, you know, Wake Forest or something, or NC State. No time. You gotta have you gotta have a hook with at least one of them. Uh, I saw your story on WDRB.com about uh, Jeff Brom yesterday. I brought it up at the mm-hmm. top of the show today. It's very interesting, and I know Louisville fans' eyebrows raised right away when he didn't say, oh, I love Purdue, I'm, I love my time at Purdue, I'm the Purdue head coach, I plan on being the Purdue head coach. He said something a lot different. What would you take from that? I was surprised. and here, here's, I, mean, I got some blowback from Purdue fans. Uh, well, of course. He probably but did, too. I'm sure he did. Um, you know, and I wasn't the only media person there, and he knew we were there. Right. Um, and we didn't ask the question. The question came from the crowd, and it was about, you know, what happened the last time. And then he's the one that added the second part about how now it's six years in and things are different now, and I love Louisville. He, he could have just stopped after he said the first thing about how it wasn't the right t- time to come the first time. It sounded like a politician campaigning. You could say that. I hate to say I mean, that, like, but that's what it, was it sounded definitely like. Definitely a door opened, uh, and if I was Purdue, I'd be you know curious about why he did say that. But that's what he said, and once he said it, I figured, you know, this is a public forum with a hundred people were there, and you know, I got to report this, and so I did. I'm known. And, uh, yeah, I agree with you. I'm I think known if Jeff. He stopped yeah, go ahead. After the Sorry. first thing he said. It would have been nothing, but he he added those last you know twenty five words, and that's what made it interesting. And I've known Jeff and Oscar and Greg for a long time. Jeff doesn't he, he's very guarded in what he says most of yes, the time. Yes, he is. This is yes, this is. is sort of off brand here, right? Yeah, I agree. I agree. It was off brand, and uh, you know, after let's remember, you know, what went on last year, where at the end of the year. There was some pretty heavy speculation that Scott Satterfield was in trouble, right? And that you know Jeff would be coming here, and some people have even uh, written, and it, I don't think it's ever been uh, confirmed that you know that that was in fact what Vince Tyree wanted to do, and that President Ben Deputy said no. Yeah. Uh, so th- there's a lot of smoke there, and we all know you know we know how this thing works. That if 
if Santafield gets off to a slow start this year, that the clamoring for Jeff Brown is going to get very loud very quickly. Could be very interesting. Last, I'll leave you with this. I'll ask you this last question. Josh Jamison, the third mm-hmm. assistant uh, hired by Kenny Payne from Oregon, has had some NCAA issues, we'll say. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. They seem to be small to me. I mean, holding a broom up in practice for a guy to shoot <laughs> over doesn't seem like a huge violation. But is this a risky hire for Kenny Payne? Um, it's a hire to be monitored only because Louisville's had, you know, under the scrutiny they're under because of NCA situations. And that in fact, that's one thing that Chris Mack, uh, uh, overzealous grad managers or, or, you know, lower level program assistants doing things they're not supposed to do is what Chris Mack got tagged with uh, a year ago when, you know, Dino Gaudio spoke up and this is, this is, similar to that this isn't this isn't level one stuff this is level two or three stuff and so sounds like jameson is just a go-getter you know super enthusiastic guy who you know has too much energy uh but that's what we ding chris mack for with his guys and so to be fair you have to ding this this guy for the same thing so keep an eye on it i will say this about kenny payne no pun intended he keeps his cards he doesn't let anybody see his cards no, he does not. He does not. Kenny Payne is a very uh, under the radar guy. He he doesn't. I don't. He doesn't like. He hasn't liked it several times when words leaked out about things that he was going to do from whoever got the information. I know that for yeah. a fact. Well, Rick, thank you. I appreciate it. As always, love uh, our chats uh, when we uh, have time to have them. And good luck to your White Sox against the Yankees. I am a Yankee hater, so I will be pulling for the White Sox this weekend. Four games in Chicago this weekend and three in New York next weekend, so the Yankees have been pounding people. So they have. I hope the Sox don't get <laughs> squashed. Thank you, you brother. enjoy your final day of uh, uh, I'll the show try. tomorrow. I'll try. Vacation. I'll do what I can. Right. Thank you, buddy. Thank Rick Bozich, WDRB.com, Fox 41. You can read his stuff at WDRB.com. And I suggest you go read this uh, this Louisville article or this uh, Jeff Brom article, it's very good. He brings up a point that I didn't think about, and he didn't want to say it. Rick didn't want to say it, and I understand that. Uh, but I'll, I'll say it. I was told from a, two reliable sources last year that Vince Tyree met with Jeff Brom's people, not with Jeff Brom, because Vince Tyree denied meeting with Jeff Brom. How do you do that? You meet with his people and that there was a memorandum of understanding drawn up and signed by both parties that would have gotten rid of Scott Satterfield and made Jeff Brom the next head coach at the University of Louisville, and that the outgoing president, and we didn't know she was outgoing at the time, Neely Bendapudi, said no. She wasn't going to allow it to happen, and that's one of the reasons Vince Tyree is no longer, maybe the main reason, he's no longer the athletic director at the University of Louisville. All right. Ah, got that off my chest. We'll come back, talk a little NBA basketball. It was interesting, to say the least, last night. Uh, and the Reds win again. They're on fire. You're listening to Spears on Sports, presented by Eminem Cartage on the Big X. Welcome back, Spears on Sports, presented by Eminem Cartage. John Spears in studio. Final segment. Thorns text line open, 414-1450, 502-414-1450 to get your last-minute text into the show. Don't forget the Big X golf cards are ready. The card features Chariot Run, Old Capital Golf Club, Elk Run, Valley View, and Christmas Lake in Santa Claus, Indiana. 
You can play these great courses for under $25 around, cart included, with the 2022 Big X Sports Radio golf cart. Get yours today at BigXSportsRadio.com or call 812-725-1457. Play Chariot Run, Old Capital, Elk Run, Valley View, Christmas Lake, under $25 around, cart included. Get yours today. Supplies are limited. The NFL schedule leaks continue. These are from the last four hours. The Buccaneers will host the Chiefs in week four on Sunday night football. The Eagles will open up their season in Detroit against the Lions. That's a 1 o'clock start on Fox. By the way, that Chiefs-Buccaneers game is Sunday night football. Uh, Let's see what else we got. The Washington Commanders will open up their season at home against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Carson Wentz of the Commanders will be against the team that sent the Carson Wentz Colts packing last year. Another schedule leak. 33 minutes ago, the Giants will travel to Tennessee to take on the Titans in week one. And seven minutes ago, the Browns will open up their season on the road against the Carolina Panthers. So these are just going to continue to leak out all day long, probably one, two, maybe three an hour until uh, the NFL schedule show tonight on the NFL Network. Uh, Quick uh, news, the NBA Conference Championship MVP trophies have been renamed or I guess have been given a name. So if you uh, win the conference championship, let's say you're the Milwaukee Bucks, and Giannis is the MVP, he will receive the Larry Bird Trophy. They're going to give him the bird. He's getting the Larry Bird Trophy. If the Phoenix Suns win the West and Devin Booker's the MVP, he will get the Magic Johnson Trophy. So the conference championship MVP trophies are now named after Larry Bird and Magic Johnson. Let's go to the M&M Cartage Hotline. Bring in Ed. How are you, Ed? I'm on my vacation. I, I can't wait. My vacation's getting ready to start uh, after tomorrow's show. Well, uh, that demands, commands, I'm trying to make a play on words here. Okay. The Washington Commanders, commanders that, yes. Washington Commanders, that comment commands a lot of respect. Thank you. Vacation. Thank you. I'm looking a lot, forward. A lot of respect. Now, the reason I called <laughs> was not because of the uh, trophies at the NBA I, I, I've had no problem with that. I like that. I think that's yeah, I one like way it. to honor two of the uh, last 50 years greatest players, Magic and, and, and Larry Bird, that have, that have played in the NBA. I think that's good. Now, I'm going to I'm going to ask the question with an answer. All right. Now you're going to have to you got to think about this a minute. How bad is the National League Central <laughs> when the Cincinnati Reds? Win two out of three from Pittsburgh. Yep. And win two out of three from the Milwaukee Brewers. Now, yeah. I want to say this: the Brewers scored eleven runs, which is what, which is twice as many as you should have to score to win a baseball game. What do the Reds do? They just go out and score fourteen with probably one of the twenty-eighth, twenty-ninth, thirtieth, thirtieth worst offense <laughs> in baseball. Two, or the next they place. got two touchdowns yesterday. Thought the Bengals were playing. Well, well, look, the I, Reds are still terrible, even though they're seven and twenty-four, and well, I think they've won four out of six. You point out the Cubs are uh, awful; they've got eleven wins. The Pirates have thirteen wins. They took two out of three from the Dodgers this week. So it's baseball; you never know. The Cardinals yeah, are the Cardinals are competitive. 
Um, and the Brewers are twenty and twelve. They're going to win that. They're going to win that division by twenty games. Well, it, it's the Cardinals and the uh, and the uh, and the Brewers. There's no doubt about that. In my estimation. Yeah, I think, I think it's just the Brewers. I would argue it's just the Brewers. You just the Brewers? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and then you go over to the uh, the West, which it was. They were burning it up. There were what uh, uh, Dodgers, Giants. Uh, Padres. Everybody, everybody's Padres. over five hundred in the West. Everybody's over five hundred. Okay, I, and I apologize. I haven't checked the West standings. Now, what about those? Uh, let's go Mets goes in New York. I How love about that NLE. I love the Mets. The Mets are twenty-one and eleven. They got beat last night, but um, they got great pitching. And the, the, Jacob Degrom hasn't pitched a game yet. Uh, Max Scherzer's a leader. Trevor McGill, who got beat up last night, has been pretty good until his last two starts. And and uh, Chris Bassett, who came over from Oakland, the guy got hit in the face by a line drive last year. He's he's been unbelievable. Mets are good. They got a good lineup too. Lindor, Pete Alonso. They got young guys with speed at the top of the lineup. They, the, the Mets are going to win a lot of games, unless they do Met things. You uh, hit the nail on the head there. Everybody's forgotten about speed in the game of baseball. I'm, now I go back to the 80s, 70s, big yeah. rich teams. They had speed. They didn't have overwhelming speed like the Cardinals of, of the 80s. St. Louis had speed everywhere. Well, yeah, Vince Coleman, Willie McGee, Tommy Herr, they had all kinds of speed. Even their slow guys were fast. <laughs> yeah. Jack Clark looked slow, but he could really run. Yeah, I hear you. Uh, now, I don't know about that. He could maybe run, but he was slow. He, he, he was slow, but speed in baseball anymore it's just it's just okay we're, we're gonna doesn't matter gonna, doesn't matter uh, and i don't want it's home runs walks strikeouts launch angle exit velo that's all it is the other the other the other night when i covered uh, the high school game i covered it was three two in the ninth in the uh, seventh inning excuse me in the bottom of the sixth uh you already get the runner on first base what do they do they execute a perfect sacrifice bunt yep the guy gets second Next guy strikes out, but while he's up there striking out, there's a pass ball. All of a sudden, there's one out, and the guy's in third, and two out. There's a guy that there's a guy third now. The final yeah. guy, the final hit batter, he flies out to the third out. Now, if they can execute that at the high school level, and I was really impressed with both of those teams and how they executed fundamentally. If they can do it at that level, well. Answer me yeah. a question. They can do it, Ed. Why they don't want to do it anymore. They can. No, they don't yeah. want to. They can't. And, right. and now, that, now that we have the universal playing. DH, you don't have any pitchers hitting, so you don't have any sacrifice spots. Yeah. And the guys that's, who that's, try to do it haven't practiced it enough and are bad at it. I've seen a couple guys look, you know, look awful this year trying to bunt because they don't practice it. It's a forgotten art. It's a forgotten art. Well, that would have been my major uh, uh, disagreement or against being the, uh, having a universal designated hitter. I thought it was fine. One for one league, one for the other. Now people say, oh, you need uniformity. You need, you need <laughs> uniformity. Well, I, well, what's wrong with having uh, – I, I didn't mind. I don't mind not, and, not watching pitchers hit because it's uh, it's usually well, terrible. Okay. It's usually I'll terrible. I'll I'll, I'll I'll give you that. I'll give you that. And here was another thing. It took me a while again where I, I beat a dead horse to death. We go back to old school. I liked it when the National League played the National League, the American League played yeah. the American League, and it was something 
special. When you played in the uh, in the World Series, you played in an American League team. That you hadn't well, seen you know before. Really, exactly, exactly. But you know what? I do like interleague play now. Yeah. I really do. I like it when the Reds play Cleveland. I like it when the uh, the Mets and the Yankees go at each other and the Dodgers and the A's. Yeah. I watched a lot of the Braves and Red Sox game last night. Very entertaining. Uh, Braves and Red Sox? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Watched yeah. a lot of that yeah. game. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, uh, it seems like the national people up in Bristol think there's only two teams in baseball, and that's the Yankees and the Red Sox. Well, you know, I got news for them. The Red Sox are not very good. Well, no, the Red Sox aren't very good, but that's such a big rivalry. There's 28 other teams that are are in baseball now, too. But, anyway, I regress. Thank you, buddy. I want to keep you. Thank you, man. I'll talk to you soon. Mm -hmm. Um, Have a good vacation. Thank you. you. I will. Thank you. That is Ed. He said he was going to be on for one minute, Douglas. Is that what he said? Did he? I, I said I'd give me the over there. And uh, and he also wants to beat a dead horse to death. I don't know how you do that. You're going to beat a dead horse to death. All right, let's go NBA quickly. I got a couple of minutes left here. Milwaukee over Boston, one ten, one oh seven last night. As a Celtic fan, I was crushed. As a gambler, I told you to take Milwaukee in the points. Eleven two run to end the game. Giannis had 40. Drew Holiday made the two biggest plays in the game uh, late. And Milwaukee, all of a sudden, 3-2 lead going back home. That's not good. Memphis beat Golden State 134-95. I want to give you this stat I heard this morning. Memphis is the first team with 119 points after three quarters since in, the play, in a playoff game since 1987. They had 119 after three, Golden State was down 52 points at the end of the third quarter. They outscored Memphis by 15 in the fourth quarter and still won by 39. They outscored by 13 and still won by 39. It was 77 to 50 at halftime. Keep in mind, John Morant didn't play. So, Golden State sort of mailed it in last night. That was my only loser yesterday. I gave you, I was one and one. I gave you Milwaukee and Golden State. That was a, I, I went to bed at, I could have gone to bed at halftime because that one was over 77 50 at halftime. Uh, so we'll try to right the ship tonight. Uh, Miami and Philadelphia in Philly. Closeout opportunity for the Heat, seven o'clock on ESPN. Philly's a two point favorite. I'm going to go off the board here and say Miami closes out the Sixers. I'm going to take the heat on the road tonight. Um, I'll take the two. I don't think I'm going to need them. I will take the two in Dallas and take the Mavericks here. They are uh, on life support as well. Phoenix with a 3-2 lead. That's the late game on ESPN. So Miami uh, plus the two. I don't think I need the points. And Dallas plus the two. I'm taking both underdogs, both road underdogs tonight up against the wall that have to win to stay alive. Those are your picks today. Thanks to Rick Bozich. Uh, Don't forget Bats Baseball tonight against Toledo, the Mud Hens, 635 right here on the Big X first pitch, 605 pregame. That is directly after the Mike Rutherford Show. I will see you tomorrow. It is Vacation Friday tomorrow. Thanks for listening to Spears on Sports presented by Eminem Cartage on the Big X.